I wish you guys nothing but best. The ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Let's keep moving forward. Mike, I think I finally realized I had a revelation. You're a grown child. Yes. No, I realized, you know, I, I think that the inherent difference between the ceiling and the roof, you think of ceilings as... I want to hear their ideas first. Well, I want to give you my idea first, and no. then we'll hear from them. I'm more of a So I think that the ceiling host. is more of a, like a limit. You know, a ceiling is something you see from the inside. A roof, okay. on the other hand, sits on top of all of that. Oh. And it's something that you see from the outside. So you think of like medieval times. You're talking about perspective. Yes. Large halls. Glorious halls. Uh, the thing that Beowulf did. Name your top five halls. Uh, Spencer, number one. <laughs> Royal Albert. Uh, Dante. <laughs> these, are, these are good. These yeah. are good. Uh, you know, you have, Angelo? you have golden thatched roofs, which... You know, look very nice on the outside, mm-hmm. like the one in uh, Lord of the Rings. And on the inside, you look up and My you see a ceiling. So, so you see a limit from the inside, but then whenever you're looking from the outside, like from a okay. bird's eye view, for example, from a thousand feet, mm-hmm. um, I don't think birds can fly a thousand feet above ground. But some birds, some birds can. Uh, you see beauty. Mm-hmm. So whenever we say that the ceiling is the roof, we're just talking about beautiful stuff, you know. The perception from the inside is the same as it is on the outside, yes. or perhaps greater. We are everywhere. If the ceiling is the roof, then the perception on the inside of the building is the same whenever you drive by. Yeah. Were you using beautiful stuff as a transition to introduce us? Beautiful stuff. That was a, that was a really great connection made by Dallas's best sports columnist. Uh, joining us again, we are honored to have him. That's Tim Cato. That's Who me. voted on this? I didn't get a... They didn't send me a poll. I think it was the Electoral College. That's the only <laughs> Which is why. clearly rigged, so I don't clearly, trust this. Yeah, all this gerrymandering that Orr is up to at the uh-huh. Athletic. Uh, yeah, he'll pay somebody to win an election. He will. I know Orr. He I, he's, apparently, uh, you guys are in talks with them on, uh, on your other podcast, Mike. I hear you talk about the Athletic a lot. Uh, I'd like to counter your point and say theathletic.com slash four-pointer. There give you me go. Your, give me your money. Go uh, create a, a dummy email account, buy another subscription. You can be that deep-down-seated, like, Red Sox fan that gets Red Sox information on this feed, and then you can be normal you on this one. You can be uh, DM Bobby on the other one. The burner you, account? Yeah, where you're just a big San Jose Sharks fan, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Spend your rent money on The Athletic. Yes. It's worth it. Dot com slash four-pointer. <laughs> Absolutely. I would highly encourage just you to hoard. Get $1,300 worth of Athletic subscriptions. I'm not trying to, like... Broaden the base. I'm just trying to get one person to get like seven to eight of them. Here, here's, here's, here's the thing: you, you have to get as many as you can because the athletic logins are going to be like Beanie Babies in the '90s. Mm-hmm. In two decades, a, you're going to be a millionaire. You're be yeah. Just because you have 13 athletic accounts. I, actually, uh, our other guest here, Austin Garuya, is living proof that if you sell off your subscriptions, I you can that make was Idris Elba. You can make a ton of today. money, yeah, because Austin is dressed like a freaking shark over yeah. here, and not one from San Jose. He, after this, he's got a meeting with Cubes. Yeah, he's selling Hello, sharks. He's selling his uh, all of his athletic subscriptions. <laughs> to I'm, I'm just working my way up. You know, I'm going from blogger to podcaster to owner. It's a very 
broad base. Yeah. You, know, you, got, you got to diversify your portfolio. It happens where, all the time. Where yeah, are you on, career, on the Mogul Boulevard? On the Mogul, are, I'm somewhere between uh, like Haralabah Vulgaris and <laughs> Tim Cato, just like in that okay. mid okay. It, mid-tier. Yeah, I'm, mid-tier. The, I'm like a mid-range media mogul. I'm the guy that picks up the trash. You, you are Mike on Mogul Boulevard. Yeah, you, pi- you pick up Austin's trash. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's he's better bad. than I am. Everyone knows it. Don't litter, dude. This is a this is a stray welcoming. Takes. Mike is just picking up stray takes along the mm. road. Like, what do you think about cereal? That's that's the stuff that Mike is having to clean up. For a up. brief second, I thought you said Syria. No, I definitely didn't. I definitely said cereal. Bringing right, it, okay. coming in hot on a Thursday. Yeah, that's not. that's next week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this podcast has changed events. <laughs> this is uh, this is a bad. It's a bad ceiling. Welch's fruit snacks, though, good. Yeah, but you know what? We got plenty of time to uh, we got plenty of time to go from the ceiling to the roof. We can turn this bad boy into a great podcast. We can salvage this. Uh, I, me, think we, I think it's great so far. Me and Tim and Austin, we can salvage this. Uh, <laughs> and Mike will also be here. Mm-hmm. I'm the iceberg that you're steering around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so the Mavs Things, things have, are fun uh, whenever you're winning. Yeah, yeah. The Mavs have won, what, four out of five? That's now? accurate. And uh, they're six and eight. And in one night, they went, I believe, from 22nd to 9th place in defensive rating. So, uh, That's incredible. Basically, uh, I mean, on the road to win the championship at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, who's going wh- to stop me, huh? Who are – Not the gonna, Jazz. Who's going to mm. score on them? They've given up less than 100 points three games in a row. That's incredible. Yeah, in that's, uh, that's that's unicorn-level defense. So they're, uh, they're the 85 Bears. They are, <laughs> I think of them the same way, yeah. you know. Uh, so uh, that's enough from me. I just won't talk the rest of the podcast. Uh, I want to hear from, uh, from you, Tim and Austin. What are some of the things that you have uh, seen from these last games? Because kind of my overarching take is that the Mavs are doing a lot of the same things now that they were before. They're just winning because opponents aren't shooting nine bajillion percent from three. Uh, but what are some different things that they've done? Have you noticed anything? Or, or, or why are they playing better now all of a sudden? There, there is more cohesion, you know, I, I think just generally in, in what they're trying to do defensively. Um, the the second unit has, has really come into its own. Um, you know, I think Maxi Kleba, Kleba? Is, is that, a, I think, about as close Kleba. as I can get? Kleba. Kleba? Kleba, Kleba yeah. Is okay. I'm introducing a third pronunciation. It's <laughs> <laughs> Kleber, there's Kleba. Someone was calling him Clay Bear this, for a while. I think in uh, the, 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 the China game, the broadcast was That was very wrong, Clay and Bear. I actually had a conversation with Maxie about how wrong that was. That, wow. That, yeah. Nice uh, humble brag when, there. Tim hangs out with Maxie. Going straight I, to the I, source. I, I do see him in the locker room, just like at least two of y'all. Um, yeah. He might be the best defensive player on this team. I, I feel pretty confident saying that, and he really anchors a, a second unit that – uh, is is tough to score on for you know for fellow second units you know I, I think some teams uh, end up staggering uh, you know the, the Mavericks don't really stagger um, they will have you know two or three minutes where they're kind of getting subs in and getting subs out obviously Wesley Matthews have been playing with the second unit but they also play a lot of all bench lineups and uh, that's been surprisingly successful for them and I think that this is one of the teams that is is kind of uniquely suited uh, to do that because. You know, I think the second unit just fits well together overall. They also obviously have Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, when those two are on the court together, Maxi and uh, DFS, you know, I, I think that, that just makes things all around very challenging. Um, and I, I think that's, that's starting to show a lot more. I would say yes, cohesion. Basically, their defense um, has not been a tire fire. And 
teams aren't shooting a gazillion percent against them. Dorian Finney-Smith is going to make himself a lot of money this summer just the way that he's defending people and defending the three-point line. And they're not having individual scorers just, like, have the night of their lives against them every single night. Um, I think Carlos also, like, restructured the office a, a little bit just where J.J. and Dennis basically just split the minutes, like, right down the middle, and they don't share the court, and it's kind of made the offense run a little smoother. And I think Dennis is a little more off the ball now, and they're giving Luca more ball-handling opportunities. And so it's creating a lot more open threes, and he's getting to the line a lot. He hasn't shot as well the last couple of games, but when he has the ball in his hands, it's almost always a good decision. Um, and as soon as they, they cut down on their turnovers, their offense is going to be pretty good. And I think Wes also with that second unit is really, really lethal. Like When he's playing with, with J.J. and Devin, especially Devin, um, it really opens him up, and he can really do what he wants to do on the offensive end without kind of hindering the, the starting five. I think it's one of the things we talked about in the preseason is whenever this team is reaching their peak potential, they're very balanced and they're very deep. And other teams don't have – they can't go eight guys deep and be comfortable with it. And when you're only having to play Dorian and Maxi you know, 15 to 25 minutes a night, they can go nuts. They can go psycho for the minutes they're on the court. And other teams' offensive units um, from their, their bench just can't handle Dorian and Maxi whenever they're going 100%. And it's, it's weird whenever you think about Dennis and J.J. splitting minutes because to get the most out of Dennis long term, I think you just need to let him be Dennis for another two years to reach peak fulfillment. But what this team actually needs from him right now is push the pace, make simple reads, get to the basket, distribute the basketball. And that's two different players. So I'm sure it's a little bit of a, you know, a quagmire in his mind right now. But what Rick is asking him to do is bring the ball up quick, start early offense. And he sees, luckily, they've won four or five. And step you know, one through four is actually leading to a W at step five. Instead of first nine games of the season, it was – Okay, you're creating good looks. You're limiting, you know, the other team's good looks. Everything looks like you should be winning games right now. There are a couple instances in there where they got blown out just by teams that are uh, have more talent on their roster. But on the whole, the numbers were fine through 10 games. And it's hard to tell somebody, keep doing that exact same thing, and you're getting your ass beat. And I feel like the Knicks game was the one to me where I'm like, they – we're tired of trying the same thing, and they kind of veered away from what the system was asking them to do, and they got beat by a team that isn't nearly as talented as them. And it probably took a little sit down and go, look at these numbers right here. You're creating good looks. You're limiting their good looks. We're rebounding fine. Um, everyone's scoring according to what you expect them to be doing, and we're not winning games. Just keep doing that. Keep doing that. And for a young team, it's tough <laughs> to go keep banging your head against the wall. Eventually, the wall is going to give. And it's given, gave, given did in the last uh, five games. Given? Gaven. Gaven. Yeah. The ceiling was falling down, man. It was. I mean, they were two and seven. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. like, that Knicks game was really bad. I mean, yeah. that's like a, that's a low point. These, so these last three years, there have been a couple of those games. In, in 2016, that loss to Sacramento, which unfortunately came on poopery night, uh, <laughs> Sacramento <laughs> beat them by like – Sacramento beat them by like 30 points, and that pushed them out to 4-17. and 17. And yeah. uh, Rick Carlisle literally lit a box score on fire after that game. And all of a sudden, the Mavs ended up winning. I think they won like four of the, out of their next five games. And, uh, you know, after the Knicks thing, there was the DeAndre videos that everybody in the world saw. Even people that don't like the NBA apparently watched it and have an opinion about it. And uh, it was just a big thing, man. There was a – you're 2-7. and seven, 
this is happening again. All right, who are some of the players that are in the draft? Like, mm-hmm. you know, are, are we changing the starting lineup or what? And then all of a sudden you start winning games. But so uh, they are doing a lot of the same stuff. Like you said, they're still forcing bad shots. The Mavs are still top five in the league in fewest restricted area attempts. Still rebounding really well. They're still rebounding well on both ends. Um, they are top. Uh, they're they're not very good at taking care of the ball, but they're top ten in effective field goal percentage. They're actually top ten in free throw rate, which is like incredible considering they never shoot free throws. Do you remember their historically turnover percentage from the first nine? I know it's nineteen point eight the last five, which isn't spectacular. That has that is worse than what it was before. Really? Yeah. Mm, for the season, crazy. they're like seventeen four, and and Carlisle teams are like historically good at avoiding turnovers. Last year, they were like 11.5%, which is one of the lowest of all time. C- Carlisle teams and, and Dirk Nowitzki-led teams. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, Barnes too. I mean, because Barnes is doing the Dirk thing. Whenever you play a lot of isolation, it's hard to turn it over. But mm. yes. now they're slinging it all over the place. But uh, one thing that they I, – I don't think that they've done a, a much better job of this, uh, like numbers-wise, in the last five games – but uh, they allow a lot of corner threes, and in the last few games, they've still allowed a lot, and those shots are just missing. But the Mavs are top five in most mid-range shots forced. They are very high in uh, non-restricted area paint shots forced. So whenever you're forcing difficult shots, uh, eventually you're just gonna things will right themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, the ship will right itself. Um, Maxi and Dorian together, by the way. These are two undrafted guys off the bench. Whenever they play together, the Mavs have a 93 defensive rating, 93.0, and they play about 10 minutes per game together. And I wonder if they get closer to 500 here and uh, maybe are even like, you know, because right now they're two games out of the playoffs. They're in 13th place, but they're two games out of eighth or two games out of seventh, actually, two and a half out of sixth. If like in a month they're still that close, do we see those guys play more together? Is it something where they're not just playing for five minutes at a time in the second quarter and in the fourth quarter? I mean, are they, like, just playing for 20 minutes a game together? I mean, what do you what do? you do? These guys are playing too well to, to not I mean, question the Maxi, right? Because Dorian's already playing with a lot of the starters. So it's kind of like, do you start getting Maxi in there at the same time? I mean, I would love to play them in the first and third quarters together. <laughs> At the, like at the beginning of you the mean first third quarter, <laughs> twelve minutes in, I would. The thing I is, would. like the really, uh, this is not a hot take anymore. It was before, but like Finney Smith is your best three and D guy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I mean, there is something to be said. I think Wesley is way better at getting to the basket than Dorian is right now, and uh, especially whenever the offense is super clunky, Matthew's ability to just drive the lane and get off that little floater, which he really is good at, is very valuable against Utah. Uh, the win against Utah, they tried to post him up a couple times in the third quarter, and it was just like turnover, turnover. And that was pretty rough, but uh, he, I mean, he can be useful in the post. I, I think it's not a; it should not be an offensive staple. It's yeah. a it's a it's a matchup thing. Yeah. And, and it, the, well, the problem was getting him the ball. Like two entry passes was, in a row was. got stolen. It's like that's right. right. Come on, make a make an entry pass. You know, come on. This is remedial NBA stuff. But uh, and some of that's on on West too. Yeah, yeah. Him. No, for because sure. It was, it was definitely a guy coming around him to poke it away. Yeah, yeah. So. But I think Matthew's a little more offensively dynamic. But if you're just looking for somebody to shoot threes and defend, I mean, Dorian is shooting like forty six percent on threes this year. It's crazy. And Maxi is one of the best, by percentage, one of the best rim protectors in the league. So, like, what do you what do? You do? Especially, uh, you got Dirk coming back here in the next couple weeks. Especially with Dirk coming back, it's going to be really tricky to, like, manage the rotation, the man of the minute, because those two of their best players, they need two-way players to play 20, 25 minutes a game, and somebody's going to have to not play. It's going to have to sit. And it's a lot of veterans who are looking for contracts and then young guys who are also restricted free agents. And so 
it's going to be some tough conversations are going to have to happen with some veterans and it's it's going to be interesting to see what Carl's going to have to do because he hasn't really had to do this with the roster before. Usually with the with their roster since he's been here, they've been pretty established who's going to get minutes, who's not going to get minutes. They don't usually have guys who are 24, 25 coming up and just bumping starters off of their off of their minutes. Those, yeah, these are young guys that are like becoming good. Yeah. You know, they're developing prospects right before us and now it's like, "Oh crap, this is kind of a problem." Yeah. Why are these guys so good? <laughs> It's it's a good problem. Obviously, you'd rather have your bench guys and your younger dudes pushing guys out of minutes or, you know, shaving minutes away. And I think one of the lucky things for Dorian is that Wes had a hamstring tweak last night and missed a game uh, two games ago. I think it was the, was it the Thunder game? Bulls. Bulls game. And so you get to see full-on Dorian Finney-Smith back with the starting unit with Harrison Barnes there. So it's not this weird, crippled starting unit that we had to roll out there for a couple minutes there. Um, so... It's a good problem. I don't think it's as complicated as we might think, um, judging by how they're going to have to ease Dirk back into everything. I don't think it's 20 minutes first night, go out there and have a ball type thing. Um, I think he gets eased back in, and he's going to play five, I assume, for most of his minutes. But you start thinking about, okay, can I get Powell and Maxi and Dirk on the court at the same time? That's like the slowest team maybe ever and I know how Rick wants to roll out three guards you know or at least two primary ball handlers at the same time so I don't know it's a good problem I don't see a natural fix besides just some nights you're not playing big boy like talking to Maxi or talking to um, I think Maxi's probably the one right because and that sucks because he's their best most active Defender off the bench. So Dwight's your Dwight's your rim roller. Yeah, Dwight you know, and JJ and are attached at the hip. Yeah, they got a little bungee cord. Um, and are you gonna go over to Dirk and go, hey buddy, you're playing ten minutes. Come give him fifteen to Max. I mean, maybe tonight. on a back to back, Dirk might not play, especially at first, you know, because he'll be rehabbing. But mm. I, I mean, I don't know how many back to backs they have left. Probably what thirteen or fourteen by now. So uh, that's kind of some built in playing time, I think. Because the last year, you know, they played Dirk every game almost because. He wanted to play all 82. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be like, yeah, I want to play all 64 or <laughs> however many yeah. games are left. You know, I, I think he's going to be a little more realistic now. But, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I, I, like back in the day, you know, we're only five years away from people wanting the Mavs to free Ricky Lito, for example. <laughs> or, he could uh, still be freed. Yeah. He's still put, out you there. Know, put Roddy B back in the starting lineup. You know, you know, all these guys who were, you know, exciting prospects just because they're – they were young and everyone else was over 30. And now the Mavs have two legit studs who are – Max is turning 27, I think, in a few months, and Dorian is only 25. And uh, all of a sudden they're like, are they two of the best five players on the team? Uh, at the same time as Dennis and Luca becoming, you know, a little more, uh, a little more mature and a little more mm-hmm. seasoned. So it's just kind of like a surprisingly happy time. One of yeah. them is going to get hidden, and I don't think Dorian's the guy. <laughs> The the one thing Maxi needs is that he's as as a rebounder. It's tough to play him at the five as as the kind of the solo big man. If you don't have if you have a small ball of Harrison Barnes at the four, of Finney Smith at the four, um, if if he could rebound at a slightly above average level at the five where he doesn't play a lot, um, I would feel a lot better about him. You know, are you talking like as a starting caliber player or just as, as a backup as well? As as a starting, as a starter, I think I I don't know if he's there yet. You know, obviously mostly plays four or he mostly plays next to a big man. We'll say with with Dwight Powell. Um, so yeah, 
I'd like to see it just because Luka is such a good rebounder, and I think they could just collectively rebound between Barnes, Luka, and even Dennis. Dennis is a really good rebounder, too. I think they can kind of just gain rebound. And I just like to see it. Also, if they're going five out with Maxi as a roller and almost as a spacer, like it could really open up the floor. I think it would really help Dennis too because Dennis has kind of looked lost, kind of navigating the pick and roll this year. Um, and so I just I just want to see it for like one one two games. Maybe DeAndre needs to rest, you know. Maybe needs to go to like Florida for like a day and just like have a vacation and, just, and then just come back and just see what it looks like when they go five out for a full game. Yeah, there was one play. Uh, so today's Thursday, so last night against Utah. Um, there was one play where DeAndre set a screen for Dennis, probably about 20, 25 feet away from the basket, like right around the, the top of the arc. And Dennis sped around the corner, got all the way to the rim, and was like, oh, crap, I have nowhere to go. Because Gobert and whoever, Mitchell or Rubio, whoever was on him. And at the same time, DeAndre was like only at the elbow. And then he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come down and help you out now, and I'm going to try and roll to the basket. And, like, Dennis was too fast. DeAndre was too slow. And I think it led to a turnover, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, so, you know, the, just kind of junked up the possession. And I was like, oh, man, S- SMH. I said it aloud, SMH. Um, That's almost like a neutral possession right now, the DeAndre Dennis pick and roll, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. As talented as both those guys are. but yeah. And, I mean, they're probably tighter than just about anybody on the team. Um, they're always in each other's ear. And, uh, you know, Dennis obviously has DeAndre's back. Uh, but uh, it's I see that play developing, and I'm like, this is either going to end up in a really tough layup, it's going to end up in a turnover, or DeAndre is going to get the ball thrown at his feet at some point in this. And it shouldn't be that way. And I don't know if it just takes time or if that's something fourth quarter, you're just not doing this because it's going to cost us. It's going to go the other way yeah, like a lot, lot of, of times. I think part of it kind of takes time for them to get used to each other, but – also, part of it is just kind of their inherent limitations, right? Like, mm-hmm. defenders do not respect Dennis' jump shot yet, even though I think it pretty soon they'll have to because mm-hmm. his, his numbers are good. And uh, DeAndre can't shoot the three. So Austin's talking about playing five out with Maxi. Well, if that's Maxi instead of DeAndre, they're probably not fearing the roll as much as they would with DeAndre. So the center might not back off as much to try and play, like, safety, sort of. But Maxi, instead of popping out to the elbow where he's not going to shoot like DeAndre would, he could pop out all the way to the three. And he can shoot from there. So I think mm-hmm. it, it gives you an added dimension. But um, I, I, yeah, I, need, I mean, a, need like a wrinkle off of that. I need like DeAndre sets the pick for Dennis and then like sets another another screen and Barnes comes off a curl and he's the, you know, trail man. Or you, I mean, you screen DeAndre's man like they do yeah. with, that, with that Luca that stacked the Spain screen play where yeah. DeAndre sets the high screen and then Wes sets the screen on DeAndre's man and then all of a sudden it's just chaos. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a it's an open three on the top of the key every virtually every single time. Yeah. yeah, it's a really really smart play. Yeah, there's somewhere between telling Dennis to play as fast as human, humanly possible and find the easy matchup and just pick at it early in possessions. And okay, you and DeAndre have to start creating positive possessions on this pick and roll because it it should work. And there's no reason it shouldn't because they're very talented, very good in the pick and roll. Or I assume they are. I mean, maybe that's not the case anymore. Um, well, you, can, you can run fast, but you don't have to play fast all the yeah. time. Like, you don't have to zoom around the corner every single time. Mm-hmm. There was one play, I think it was the first quarter, like one of the first plays of the game. Dennis, like, just kind of like, I don't know, crab walked all the way to that. Like, he was just like walking to the rim and laid mm-hmm. it in because, you know, he had Rubio on his hip and Gobert didn't know, should I – try and cover Dennis, should I try and cover DeAndre? Dennis was like, uh, I'm going to wait for you to commit, and then he laid it in. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't have to go fast all the time. 
And that kick out to Barnes last night, I think, was a pretty big possession for him, realizing he can go as fast as possible, and sometimes people will come down and, like, tag him, and he can just kind of hover, levitate in the lane long enough to find somebody open in the corner. But it hasn't happened a lot. Maybe it's one of those things you just keep on trying it, and then game 20 it starts clicking. But I also I hope they're also lucky because they don't have to play Rudy Gobert again for the entire season. Yeah. I'm sick of seeing Rudy Gobert. Yeah. That was way too many times in the he's first scary. 10 games. Yeah, he just ruins possessions for teams. Like, he's mm-hmm. just so big, you can't make him commit. And even if he does commit, he's so big, he can just get back and recover. So I think for Dennis, someone who's trying to learn how to, like, navigate that pick and roll, it's hard seeing – basically the best pick-and-roll defender in the league three times in the first he's, he's the only games. He's the only defender who can guard two players at once in yeah. the pick-and-roll. He's, he's the only one who I, I look at and I say, you know, 90% of the time you're going to snuff out a pick-and-roll by truly defending both the guard and being close enough to, to guard the roller. He's just so gigantic. Yeah. yeah. And they got Grayson Allen, too. Oh, my God. And I love Joe Ingles. He's one of my favorite players in the league, but I would never want to play against him. Like, they have so many of those guys where you're like, oh, They've got a team full of really, really good role players. And they then they added Donovan Mitchell, who somehow became a superstar. Like, he just got bit by a spider and showed up. And then he's just this twenty efficient 24-point-a-game scorer. And I was like, y'all are so annoying because they develop guys well. And they and they got guys. Rubio, who's another jerk. They just have a bunch yeah. of jerks and a yeah. really, really freaking good guard. Yeah. And, I mean, I like the way they built their team. I hope we can get to that level here pretty soon and just – pick role players and don't ask them to do too much and this is who you are and we're going to be a really good team because of it kind of building the foundation there first uh okay so uh austin and tim uh our listeners and hopefully you will remember that we had you on the podcast i right before the season was it during preseason or was it before preseason started i should probably have looked this up in the middle of preseason i think okay but it was before meaningful games happened yeah Mm -hmm. so uh, you have not gotten to go on record, on audio record. In a court of law. With Luca takes. So, uh, Austin, I want to start with you. What has it been like to get to watch the best player of all time play <laughs> up close and personal? I'm just glad that we drafted European LeBron. This is great. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. I think I said on this podcast that he was going to be the leading scorer on the team. And I thought, like, theoretically it would work, but I wasn't sure if it was going to work, like, in actuality. And I was like, oh, this is way better than I actually thought it was going to work. Because he's just... Because he's a lethal pull-up shooter. If you're gonna be, he's an elite. He's like top five or six in pull-up shooting in the league. And if you're six eight and you can shoot off the dribble, and you can still get into the lane and play make, like you're gonna be an elite offensive player. Basically, just like by just walking on the court. He's mature. He's also just like he has an edge to him. Like he he's not scared. He's gonna go out there and he's gonna play against pretty much anybody and just go right at them. He wasn't gonna let Joe Ingles punk him. No, night he's again. like I'm way better than you. Like you have not done anything <laughs> close to what I've done in my career. Um, and I just think he's just an offense. You can just, you can build an offense around him. I think I wasn't sure if he was gonna be like a number one primary scorer where you could like make him just like the number one guy clear cut. But I think he's he's that kind of guy because I think he also has a lot of room left to grow athletically. And once he kind of hits that in, like, year two or year three, he's going to be basically just, like, a 20, an efficient 25-5-5 and five guy. And he has more than exceeded what I thought he was going to be. I, I thought he would – yeah, I, the, the, the scoring is impressive and not what I anticipated. I, I, thought, I thought that he would have a lot more assists. And, but I also understand – I think he is a, as good of a passer as we all thought. I, I don't have any concerns there. Um, I think I understand why the assists don't come. I think a lot of his passes are, uh, you know, move the offense forward, but don't necessarily immediately lead to, um, you know, a, a shot. 
uh, I, I do think that you know the team doesn't always you know they they, they use him plenty, and I think they they're using him more even dribbling the ball up the court and things like that lately. Um, but but also uh, the, the one tough thing is that that he's not a he's not a uh, you know quick twitch get into the lane at will player. He can get there, and he knows how to get there, and he knows his you know when and where to pick his chances to to break into the lane. But because he doesn't live in the lane, it's a little harder to rack up assists as someone like uh, Berea, because Berea gets his assists by getting into the lane and then finding the shot that someone's going to take. And and Luca, more often than not, is is setting someone up in a position to succeed. But that might not mean a shot. It might mean another couple passes down the line or something like that. So. You know, I, I think his I think his passing has has been just about that good. I think even you know he's also trying to figure out windows and angles still. Um, you know, I think that I, I think we saw that at one point a a, a you know I, it would have it would have been like a a top ten highlight type pass. Uh, I think it was a, a no look uh, you know just touch pass to DeAndre running down the floor, and I got knocked away at the last second. Um, but that that would have been that would have been a, a highlight. You know, one maybe his best highlight all year. You know, it was it was up there. It's definitely. You know, had had potential to to be there. So, you know, that's a pass that worked in Euroleague and and just doesn't quite work, uh, you know, to the same level in in the NBA. So he's still figuring out, you know, exactly when and where those 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 plays are going to work. Um, but but you know, to to see that type of passer, he also doesn't commit a lot of passing turnovers. He commits a lot of turnovers, but so many palmings. He's going to set the record for. Palmings. I think he's leading the league in traveling. It's palmings. Yeah. It's travelings. It's jump stops. He's in. in you know, for the most part, they're all about right. But but those are things that will be fixed over time. He'll you know he'll probably always you know maybe be a little bit more prone to doing that than other players, just by the way he plays because he always he, you know he 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 takes the rule book and and you know uses it to his fullest advantage. But but you know I, I don't think that he's just out of touch as a passer. That's not where his turnovers are coming from. And as a scorer, he's just been you know much much better. It's just it's easy for him to score, and I just wasn't expecting it to be that easy. This he, soon. he averages more potential assists, so that is passes you make that would be assists if the shot went in. He averages more potential assists than JJ. He averages more. Really? Po- yeah, wow. which I'm, I'm surprised to find that out. In fact, I'm more surprised that he averages more potential assists than JJ than that he averages more potential assists than Giannis. Wow. Yeah, both of them. And, I mean, because you think JJ, like, almost every time he passes, it's, it's gonna, a shot. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and – He's out. He's on the floor for a while, but yeah, Luca averages nine point three potential assists per game, which when is more than those two, more than Paul George, more than uh, comparable to Mike Conley, more than Zach Levine, Goran Dragic, Joe Ingles, Paul. I mean, these are like some of the some of the better playmakers in the entire NBA. Yeah, right? and ob- obviously JJ spends less time on the floor, so so yeah. his by you know by aggregate JJ's. Still piling up a lot more, but yeah. But I mean, he when JJ's on the floor, every he is. Single possession, yeah, you know? he is. Yeah. That's that's why they play him only twenty minutes a night, because he is the the bench offense for every possession. And I think people are trying to like really find comps for him, but there's not really like a rural NBA comp from. Honestly, the comp that I think he he what he reminds me of the way he plays, he reminds me when I watched like 2007 Tony Romo. Where he just does like four or five <laughs> things a game, where you're just like, how did he do that? And then, but he'll also he'll give you the ball like a couple times a game, where he's gonna bend the rules and he's gonna try stuff all game long, and he's gonna really try it. And so he's once he really like hones in his skill, he's gonna be really good in like a couple years. So he does the how did he do that, and then the why did he do that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he'll, he'll do that like three or four. How did he do that? And then like one like why did you do that a game? Yeah, yeah. I like I like the Hito Turkoglu. Yeah, comp. Yeah, I mean, dude, 
there's some there's some takes on the internet. Uh, I, I think mean, that he's got some Manu in him too. I think he's bit, like bit of Manu. if James Harden his first year in Houston was only like a 25% usage player and wasn't like 30 or whatever the heck James Harden was his first year in Houston cuz he drives people insane in the same fashion. He's big enough and physical enough to get wherever he wants to, usually in the lane. Um, and it's just – it seems easy. It seems pretty easy and controlled. And he's constantly working you to try and get that step back, which most guys would are afraid of that shot unless they've been in the league 10 years. I mean, it took Wes until he was basically here to develop – his second year here to develop a step back. And he's, you know, early in his career was one of the better three-point shooters in the league. So I think we need to watch the games, and I think what the organization is doing right now is watching the games through the lens of how do you build around this guy? What is the offense when he is a 30% usage guy? When he is getting in the lane and every single eyeball is, like, just staring at him? Because right now I don't want him passing whenever he gets in the lane. Like, I want the, I want the teardrop. I want him to get in there and body somebody and do something creative, uh, which has been really good. Like, he hasn't – I don't remember – him getting blocked on an attack in a really long time yeah, and just getting smothered. Um, and that's a challenge for Dennis. And obviously they're different size and different body types, but as a rookie, uh, that's something that he's just jumped. So he's also a much better yeller than Dennis. Dennis does not yell when he drives. <laughs> Luca will yeah. let you know. Like those those uh, rim mics in the AAC, mm-hmm. they're very loud. You'll just hear, Rah! Yeah. It's not Mr. Buffs. That's Luca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he, he looks like, the way, the way an offense can operate around him and the way he can frustrate defenses and still do whatever he wants to at that size without the just peak athleticism and the freaky first step and, you know, all that kind of stuff that a lot of dudes have. I mean, it's James Harden-esque. There's, there's no way around it for me. I look at him and I go, he's about to drive somebody insane. He really is like the 6'8 version of J.J. Yeah. yeah like he's going to start uh, – he, he won't, like – provoke them but he's going to start a lot of fights Mm -hmm. a lot of uh a lot of why did that guy just get body checked into the second row of a 40 point game like that's that's gonna be luca and just a quiet eight point quarter where he's just like okay i can i'm so tall my arms are so long this is actually an easy shot i'm just gonna do a little goofy it's gonna turn gobert into a set shot yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so many flat-footed points he scored most flat-footed points in the league this year by far where he's just standing there and he's like okay I'm going to make this if you're not going <laughs> to defend me. So what is, what is the uh, – I mean, it's tough to think of names, obviously, because Luka's only 19, and they might not have a real, like, Luka-centric team for five years. I mean, we don't even know if these guys are in the NBA yet, but what are the kinds of players that you would – if you're really going to build a team around Luka, are you just putting three guys that are 6'8 around him, or are you what, – what, what are the traits, what are the qualities of the players that you're trying to build a team around Luca with I think I want him to play with more dynamic athletes um so they can play more in transition because they they're so good in transition they just don't do it often enough and they don't have a lot of like big rangy wings that are just gonna like dunk in transition and I think someone like Jalen Brown I'd like to play with um and then honestly DeAndre is pretty much a perfect kind of archetype for him um so someone like Willie Colley Stein that's gonna be in free agency next year just athletes people are gonna shoot and just People don't want to do too much because he's going to do most of the offense, most of the work, and he's going to make everyone a lot better. Um, so, honestly, it's a lot like Dirk. If you just put him out there and then just put four guys who can defend and just can moderately shoot, like, they're going to be a really successful team. Yeah, I think the question is what type of center you want because 
you know, otherwise, in theory, if he could be the point guard as a six-eight guy, you know, that that makes her team, you know, just that much more interesting in a lot of ways. And you know, I think everybody wants three and D wings. And mm-hmm. you know, well, I, I guess the uh, well, a, a more specific follow-up would be, um, you know, after the first nine games, it was oh my god, Luca and Dennis, are they going to work out or not? That's kind of the, the the panicky Twitter conversation. But now in the last five games, it seems like they have a little more. Uh, a little more it's still kind of a turn-taking affair between them but I mean Dennis is really dynamic in the open floor yeah it seems like he's getting a little more energetic and aggressive at least on defense and the catch-and-shoot numbers are, are there and the pull-up numbers are there for now you know they'll probably go down a little bit but I think if he can if he can stay at like 35 36 on pull-up shots then that's that's pretty respectable for for someone like him uh, because the catch-and-shoot numbers are always going to be pretty good. So I, I think, the for Tim, the, the more specific question I have for you is, like, what are your thoughts on the way that those two uh, are playing together right now? Is is Dennis kind of the guy that you think could be uh, could could work with Luca? I've, I've said for a while I think Dennis is going to need to get to year four or five until he's a consistently winning player. And I, I don't think that's necessarily slight. It's just the fact that he's a young player who is still figuring out a lot of stuff. He's obviously, there's, there's a lot of things on the basketball court he's, he's quite good at. Uh, but I, I think consistently as a, as a player overall, you know, I, I think that he's going to have uh, some just settling in and figuring out how to use all his skills that he has on the court. Um, you know, I've, I've made the Kimba Walker comp a lot. And, and I don't think Kimba Walker was a, a positive winning basketball player until uh, probably year five. And that's Dude, his rookie numbers were awful. Abysmal. And he was in college, I think, for three years. Right. And he was great in college. Right. I mean, but yeah, yeah. I, and that's I, I see a lot of Kimba in Dennis. Yeah, and that's another thing to consider is that, that Kimba had even more experience coming in, and, and Dennis is, you know, a couple years behind. You know, it, that's, that's both good and bad. Um, so so my, my question is, is how quickly this team, you know, does rebuild and, and whether – they're still trying to figure things out in three years and, and they, they can afford to give Dennis that time. Or if they actually, you know, I think the team would like to go make a, you know, make a decent free agency acquisition next summer, or, you know, this coming summer and the, and the one after that. And I think they'd like to be, you know, back in the playoff mix consistently, you know, for all of the 2020s. Uh, and I don't know if Dennis is going to quite be the player you need him to be by thin. Um, but but I, I I don't think you know I I do think I believe in him figuring things out. Uh, you know I just I think I think it's going to be a, a matter of time, and I I don't I just don't know if the timelines line up because I think Luca's timeline is is already clearly looking like it's accelerated. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. he's should have been the number one pick arguably. Yeah. You know, and and Dennis was the fifth player taking his own position. Yeah. But I think like because he's so young and because it takes point guards a while to develop, if during his rookie contract and if before his 25th birthday he's the type of player that you can start and not be a negative, you know? I mean, the starting lineup is, was a negative all year last year for many reasons, and so far it's been a little up and down. But if Dennis can get to the point where he's a consistently neutral to positive player, that's a huge win, I think. And then whenever he enters his prime where his body's still working and his mind is, is where it needs to be, that's whenever you could you could see him take a leap. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think what Machine said earlier, it was also a really smart point, and that maybe what Dennis needs is to play like Dennis, and, and maybe not having those opportunities will hold him back. So I, I don't know. I, I, there's not a there's not an easy, clear answer to that. I, I don't think. Um, you know, it's just a. I, I think the the team just has to kind of feel it out on a on a month to month basis and be like, you know, is is are we comfortable with with 
Dennis, you know, staying within the role that he is, and is that going to prevent him from being, you know, reaching his obviously very high ceiling um, and or roof? Hopefully the, both. <laughs> yeah, ceiling and the roof. Uh, I think the, the idea of all – every one of us has, like, our own little idea of what Dennis can be at age 25, and I think that idea is worth waiting for and worth developing. But I also look at it from the angle of, okay, defensively, now that Luca's here – and Luca is this – he's the son now. Everything needs to rotate around him. And if He's all of our son. Yes, actual uh, large adult sons. Yeah. Uh, but also the son as a star that mm-hmm. the planets revolve around. And um, early on in the season, whenever they were getting nuked from three-point range, yeah, the numbers were just ridiculous, but they were giving up a lot of just wide-open three-point looks. Um, and a lot of that is Dennis, and a lot of that is Luca, and a lot of that is how they fit together and how they don't close out very well and how early on they weren't, you know, getting hands in people's faces and limiting those three-point looks. So uh, overall, going forward, in terms of Dennis and the team, to me it's almost entirely defensive because you've figured out what your offense needs to look like, and it's Luka Doncic, 30% usage. It's uh, him getting more possessions and being the primary ball handler. But for this team right now, at least the DNA that they have at this moment, and it might change in another 10 games, it might change next season whenever the roster flips over a little bit, um, they have to get stops to get going the other way because that's where they're one of the best teams in the league. You pick out your, your stats that are polarizing, your things that are outliers, and it's transition offense for them is spectacular. I think they're second in points per possession in transition. Early offense, you see what happens uh, with early offense. They just don't do it that much. And the numbers might have updated a little bit since, you know, the last couple games, and they might be doing a little bit more. But through 10 games, when we're checking it and going, man, we need a run. And for our offense to be good, we need to force long rebounds. We need to force turnovers. We need to get out, fill in the lanes with Luka, taking the rebound and going the other way. Because that's the only trait that we had that looked like it was a conference finals type, type trait. So to me, it's how you build around Luka, how you build around Dennis, how Dennis fits around Luka is entirely defensive in my mind. They're up to now 23rd in uh, transition frequency, so mm-hmm. like the percentage of their possessions that come in transition. Uh, and I say up to 23rd because last year they were, I believe, 28th. Mm-hmm. And uh, as recently as probably a week and a half ago, they were, they were 29. Like 20, yeah, they were, yeah, they were down toward the bottom. Sunday, whenever we did the yeah. <laughs> now, of course, it's easier to have a higher percentage of transition possessions whenever you're getting stops. But yeah. uh, they still are your number two uh, team in terms of uh, transition points per possession. Number mm-hmm. one is Sacramento, and Sacramento also is number two in volume of transition possessions. So, yeah. oh, my God, the Kings are flying all over the place right now. Yeah, and it's tough to look at matchups and on paper starting fives versus starting fives and how lineups size up against each other because lineups are made largely on offensive talent now i think most coaches will look at their how they want their rotations to fit and it's based on how does this offense run you rarely look at it and go okay give me this defensive advantage so i can get out and run the other way it's just two steps removed that you don't think about so that's that's what i watch every single game i'm like is the other team's offense good enough where we have to take it out from underneath the hoop? Because this team is a completely different unit. Whenever the other team is making shots, 
and we're not getting out transition transition okay saturday night we got this team called the warriors coming in town you might have heard of them i have who they play for (laughs) so uh steph will not be he'll be at the game but he'll be watching uh he'll be up in the press box with me and mike he'll be a marriage counselor (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh boogie obviously has not played for them yet he's still is there even a timeline for him or is it still kind of like at some point in the future possibly maybe sort of uh sooner than later it has been what it felt like but that he's ahead of schedule but that's still probably december mid-december at the earliest christmas present okay yeah merry christmas you filthy animals so you got uh katie still you got draymond probably i think it's we could probably say he'll play in that game. Uh, Clay Thompson, who is too good to be on the all-verse Mavs team because that's generally like the guys who aren't all-stars that play like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Clay is probably the number one Mavs assassin in the NBA going right now. Uh, still three really good players that they got, even without Steph and even without Boogie. So how did the Mavs win that game? And also just generally, Austin, what the heck is going on with the Warriors right now? They, you know what, when you have that much success and you have that, um, that, those kind of egos in one room, that team was never going to be sustainable. You could never have that ma- like players that are that kind of talent all together for, a, like, they were going to play together for 10 years. Like, you can only do it for so many years before people just start going at one another and have to go their separate ways. Um, I think for them to, to come out with a win, because that would be a really nice one for them to get that, because they don't have Steph, and they're a much different team when they don't have Steph. They don't, their ceiling isn't quite as high. Clay or, the got, roof. or the roof. Or the roof. They definitely have a ceiling without Steph, not, not, as, not so much a gold-thatched roof. Yeah, Katie's like their floor, and Steph is their ceiling. And yeah. uh, I think Katie's if they can, like a really nice floor nice like floor hardwood really, yeah yeah like you get you get marble in there like yeah, it's yeah. it's very very Way too much home design talk on this <laughs> stinking podcast today i'm gonna, I'm gonna stop it right here <laughs> if hey, you got you got more you got more hot takes about what's going on uh in the uh in the other parts why of the are you bringing it back up yeah you don't want like open kitchens uh, yeah. like <laughs> open floor plan just a very large skylight <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's like at&t stadium Mm-hmm. Ah, hole in the roof. Yeah, they never actually open the roof, though. No, yeah, that's very true. Rarely. It's not a very accurate depiction of yeah, God. Doesn't want to watch his favorite team that much. No. Yeah, well, maybe now that they have Amari Cooper, he's like, oh yeah, passing game, yeah. sure. Yeah. Anyway, go on, Austin. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, I'm not. <laughs> Love good kitchen talk. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> if they can find a way to neuter Clay and have him not shoot a thousand percent against them, that's honestly why they lose them every single, like the last three years in a row. Like, they've, they've actually played them very tough the last couple games, and then Clay will come in and just shoot the lights out. And if Clay isn't just, like, lighting them up, they can actually, you know, get stops, and they're not drowning in threes. The, the Warriors basically, they just, like, waterboard you with threes. <laughs> like, you, you just feel like you're drowning the entire time, and they, they speed you up, they get you to play at their pace, and they get you to play out of their character. But when they don't have stuff, it's hard for them to do that, and it's just Clay. So, I mean, even if Katie comes in here and drops 40, that's a lot better than Clay coming here and dropping 40 on three shots. Um, and so I think that's going to be the biggest, the biggest obstacle coming like to, just to, for them to like really try to be competitive in this game. Because their big men aren't that good. They're not honestly that deep this year. Their bench is kind of shaky. Andre Godala is a little bit older. 
Draymond, this might be a big Draymond game, though. Draymond might come out here and just try to just kick everyone's ass. Well, luckily, <laughs> they they do play one time before. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. Okay, they're, good. They're playing in Houston they tonight. They play tonight so in Houston. That's, play, that's yeah. his welcome back. Okay, good. Then they won't have that, that yeah. welcome mm-hmm. back drama. But I think they have a good shot. I think it'll be a pretty good game on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would so, say, I, I would say the Warriors are one of those teams where – like sometimes you just have to get up, give up layups to them instead of threes. Like they are, they're a team that that the threes when when the threes fall, it's so crucial to their identity. They're obviously not the the three point leaders in the league anymore. There are teams that shoot more than them and make more than them. Um, but but especially with, with a player like Clay, like you know, I, I would rather let him drive straight to the rim three times in a row than give him open looks because once you start really biting and and once you get spooked. Of, of him shooting, not not just giving up shots, but then you get spooked and, and you have, you know, four sets of eyes on him uh, and, and you're losing your own man because you're worried about Clay, uh, even if it's it's not your primary defender. Uh, you know, that's 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 when they really, you know, just that, that unselfish motion offense and, and, you know, just all the stuff that Steve Kerr is, is you know, really smartly brought to that team. You know, that's where, where it really shines. Um, but, yeah, I'm also not surprised that, they have this whole. I, I like. I like that they basically preach fatalism, and they're just like, whatever happens, happens. You know, if we break up in the year, that's cool. We're Valor gonna win Morgulis. a championship. They're yeah. just like, yeah. I mean, we're gonna win the championship or not, and and you guys are are freaking out about some stuff that's happening here, and and you know, just just come back in June. It's it's really, it's uh, Andre Andre Iguodala might be the the leader in the clubhouse in terms. He's just a. He's such an interesting guy, and I just respect the way that he views basketball so much. You can't climb a mountain if it's smooth. The craziest thing about the whole thing is, though, is like all of them are like, yeah, it's not a big deal. But then they all leak every single conversation that they have. So it's like clearly it is a big deal if you're talking about it so much. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I just went through a breakup, but I'm not even mad. I'm already over it. You know, it's not a big deal. It's liking all the pics. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, I, so what? I text my ex five times every day. I don't, I'm, I, it's, I don't even I'm care. Over it I'm, I'm it. talking about it. I'm open about it, you know? Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. over it. Yeah, it's it's not a big deal, obviously. The Warriors are super fun, and they have been for, like, the last, I don't know, five, six years. And the thing that gets hidden in that is they play super dirty. They set, <laughs> they set like, the dirtiest screens. Draymond gets away with a foul every single time, so you know what's coming in here. Um, and I am looking forward to, okay, Dorian, that's your guy, number 11 over there. The gold jersey. Why don't you chase him around for about 30 minutes? Is he doing that or is he guarding KD, man? No, nah, I'm throwing him on clay. Yeah. So you, you put Barnes on KD probably? Yeah. Yep. And just hide Luca somewhere. Yeah. Just Quinn Cook. Cook. What's there up? we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, and so it's going to be a cool test for Dorian um, and our new, newly found defensive prowess that we have over the last five games. Um, but the thing that's weird about them, and I've wondered when like this – uh, crap was going to hit the fan. And whenever they signed Boogie, I was like, okay, now you got two, uh, two knuckleheads uh, in your locker room. One's fine. One you can kind of just disregard, and it's not, you know, most of the, the air getting sucked out of the room and being focused on this one person. But you just can't have <laughs> your least talented of your top five, six players be the loudest voice and be just a jerk. Like, Draymond seems like he tries to cut with his words and tries to kill you with them. And he knows everybody's weakness, and he's going to poke at it. He's going to keep poking at it. Like, you don't talk about another man's contract or their money. Like, that's just something 
You talk about my money all the time, Mike. Yeah, I do because I make more than you. But (laughs) (laughs) wow. Um, But uh, these can't win without me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's uh, it's interesting because I thought Boogie was going to be the issue. I thought Boogie was going to come in that room and just he and Draymond were going to be on Boogie and Draymond Island, and everybody else was going to be on that side of the locker room. But man, that happened real quick, and. The KD, before he even plays. Yeah, before Boogie's <laughs> even there. Um, it's just, you can't have that guy constantly just in your ear if you're KD. He clearly doesn't, can't handle that on a day-to-day basis. And uh, both of them leaking people to different reporters of their choosing, and it's pretty easy just to kind of like track back and realize where things are coming from. But uh, they could still win the title with their eyes closed and just swinging at each other the whole time. <laughs> And that's what's fun about it, right? Because it's not like a Jimmy Butler, I'm going somewhere else situation. It's, what are you going to do? Are you going to trade Draymond? Are you going to trade KD? Are you going to bench one of them for an extended period of time? No. Steve Kerr's got to make it work. And if Steph's not on the court, it makes it really difficult. Because Steph is the most chill, you know, hey, we're still winning, aren't we? You like those rings you're wearing? Steph is like Luka. Like, he yeah. just has so much fun. Yeah. You know, you never see him in a bad mood. And Except for that one time. Listening to a lot of podcasts from people that cover the Warriors consistently, uh, Draymond, like, he sets the culture. Like, they all kind of chirp now. They're all just sarcastic jerks to each other now. Uh, Iguodala is one of the worst. Like, he – but he's the old head, and he's kind of, you know. But, I mean, the more interesting thing is next year to me because if you do lose KD, you've got three Supermax guys now, and you're kind of landlocked. And Iguodala's like 37, 38. And Sean Livingston's like 36. And you don't have money to add anybody. And now you're hoping somebody comes there. They'll have a little bit of money next year. Oh, you're hoping you get another boogie, basically. I mean, they got to pay for a new stadium, too. Mm-hmm. And that luxury tax is going to be through the roof. That's going to make them. The stadium's going to make I read money, that. Though. I read that's yeah. going to make them $200 million next year. Yeah. The stadium, yeah. No, yeah. yeah so stadium, it makes because they own the stadium. Yeah, but they oh. pay. So they're, they're going to be in debt. But after like six years, they'll yeah. be in the. They'll be. In the positive, or billionaires whatever. should pay for their own bleeping stadiums. They, they, they did. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah, they did. Down there too. They don't even have room it's to build a stadium. No, there's no way. I don't know how did they, they like it. build on to San Francisco. They're actually they on Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the top would, floor. That would be incredible. <laughs> that's, be so that's, where Dray- so that's where cool. that's where Draymond served us this mention. Multi-purpose. Yeah, I facility. You can you can rejoin the team, but you got to swim back. There's no sharks out there. He's good. Yeah, so I think missing Steph actually makes it – I mean, this is a hot take. It makes it an easier game to win, but especially for the Mavs because I think one of the reasons that Clay kills him so much is because they're so worried about containing that Steph pick and roll that Clay takes, you know, uh, one off ball screen and suddenly he's wide open because he moved 10 feet because everybody's thinking about Steph and the big man. But without Steph, you got Quinn Cook up there running or KD and whatever. I think it's just easier to contain them. Like, KD is not as uh, – He's not as I'm going to get in the paint and find someone as Steph is. So you can you can keep KD to one-on-one, and he can score 50 on you, but at least – It's not like a critical system failure of your yeah, defense. Yeah, exactly. Where you're like, I don't know what to do now. Yeah, you're like not, get, you're not getting primary action. Yeah, and you're not the, getting blue-screened if, yeah. if KD comes off a yeah. – The, off a, the uh, Mavericks' high. worst defenders are point guards too. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's tough. And, I mean, look, like Wesley's still one-on-one is very good, but he struggles uh, this year at least with – containing the guys like Booker and Levine that are moving off screens, you know, because Wes is just not as fast as those guys anymore. 
And one of the reasons that Dorian, I think, is, did a, a really good job against Levine is because even though he's not the quickest guy ever, I mean, he's six foot eight, chasing around, you know, shooting guards, he's just got really long arms, so he can get a hand in their face whenever they're shooting. And so Clay is probably two or three inches taller than Wes, and he's probably a little faster than Wes, and he's really good at getting ready to shoot. He's got a quick release. He's a tough guy to, for Wes to guard. But you got Finney, you got Wes that can, that can split duties on him. Dorian and, and Barnes can guard KD. Even Wes can guard KD pretty well, I think, too, even though he's, he gives up a lot of height. Um, I think it's easier to make their jobs difficult whenever you don't have Steph just kind of prancing all around the floor, dropping mm-hmm. uh, 35-foot bombs on you. Just nuking you in your yeah. entire defense. Every <laughs> single Wes sh- or every single Steph shot is like, I, I need to call timeout. Yeah. yeah. You know, like he just he rips your heart out, dude. It's crazy. When he's out there, it's almost as if stopping their like primary action, which is just, okay, here's a basic pick and roll, and you don't even see the secondary thing that's going on over there in the corner. It's almost like stopping the primary thing is worse. Yeah. Because then, oh, yeah, someone's cutting the basket, and you don't even see it. Or – the third guy is flaring out somewhere. And I want to see if Quinn Cook can do the same thing. Cause he puts up crazy numbers when he plays. Man. Yeah, I would, I'd, force, I'd force him into those decisions because I think he can make them. I think he's fine, and whenever he fills in, he's a good player. It's just if it's that much slower, then you have a chance to recover. I think also Luka and Draymond are going to get into a – just there'll be there'll be there'll be a slight incident. You think be, so? Yeah, I think Luca has an edge to him, man. I think Luca is gonna go with Draymond. I think Draymond's gonna be like, who who is this random European yeah. rookie? <laughs> and he's gonna try to punk him. And I think Luca's not gonna back out. You think? Uh, do we think Clay's probably gonna be guarding Luca? Uh, I'd probably do that, yeah. but and then Katie's on Barnes probably, and Draymond's on Wes. Draymond's on Dorian. Yeah, probably. I don't even know if I don't even know. If I West think they like Draymond to roam as like, like a, him to help. Yeah, yeah so but if like Draymond's roaming, you're not leaving. You're not leaving Wes and Finney. I mean, I, I think, mean, think he'll. I, th- I think he'll leave Wes. I think he'll just challenge him to shoot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wes can hit him. I mean, yeah. I think he can hit him. But I think Draymond will be like, okay, just just shoot. I'm I'm glad if if you're gonna shoot, like that's what we want. At least we're not giving up layups. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now who knows if Wesley will even play in that game because he's got that the hamstring thing going on. He had to leave the game early last night. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, okay. Before we get out of here. I guess just maybe some, some open floor. We can get a little two-on-two game going here or get into some hot sports debates. Does it, do you guys have any takes that you want to get off, either about the Mavs or talk a little bit about Warriors? There's some other drama going on around the league. Uh, Jim Butler changing teams. Big James uh, Butler. Yeah, Mello uh, doing stuff. <laughs> I don't know. He's got he's sick right now. There's, uh, you know. There's a whole bunch of players on the Mavs that we didn't talk about. I mean, it, what, what, that, what do you got? That, Fire them off. That, Fire mellow, off. that mellow illness is going around. Mm-hmm. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah. Fake news, Shody. <laughs> that, that news be fake. Uh, I think Jalen Brunson was drafted as Dennis Insurance. Just, just mm. in case that – I think they believe in Dennis, but just in case, you know, it doesn't work out. It just never, never hits his ceiling. I think Jalen is a very high floor player. He's the most Carlisle player possible. Dude, he's like – I think Carlisle – I think he's Carlisle's him. son. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's Rick, a plant. Rick raised him. Yeah. <laughs> and so they just know he's going to do the right thing, and he's just going to be a good NBA point guard. Maybe he's not going to be like a star, or, but he'll be at least like a starting level point guard. And they just Get like eight and four. Eight and four, just run the offense. He was good last night when he played against the Dodgers. Great in the second half. He's got a couple of uh, he's got a couple of people off their feet with a little fake spin, mm-hmm. sort of up and under kind of thingy. Uh, he euro stepped a couple times. You know, crafty. He's crafty. Pretty good. Yeah, got a, How got is a nice JJ Barea getting better. Dude, man, it's crazy. <laughs> he's so good now. What the heck is happening? Like <laughs> he's like their. I mean, Luke is their best player, but like every time JJ touches the ball, they get a good shot. 
literally every time. And down it's the insane because I mean, as of beginning beginning of last year, I was like, you know, we're clearly in rebuild mode. Yeah, we're uh, we're you know hitting refresh on the browser. Um, I don't know if JJ needs to be here. Like, I don't know. I love the dude, one of my favorite players ever. But uh, taking minutes away from Dennis might not be a positive thing long term. And then you watch him play, and you're like, this dude's so freaking good. Just getting everybody involved. Now that his shot is falling and he's finishing around the rim, I'm like, he has to be the number one dude. Like, we go in the locker room, we see dudes that are circled or boxed in on, on, the, on the grease board. He's got to be the guy. Every team's like, don't let this guy kill us. And he goes out there and he kills you <laughs> night after night. He's, he's either scoring 20 or you're going to pick up a flagrant foul trying to stop him. Yeah. Like, those, those are your choices. I think he's second in the league in assist percentage. That's crazy. Second out of everybody. So nuts, man. Credit to him because, I mean, he's not the quickest. He's not big, obviously. He just finds a way to still be effective. The game changes. The league keeps changing around him, and he's like, I'm going to do me. Yeah. He's going to get his jersey retired at this point. Yes. He should, man. He's top uh, 10 in games played. He's uh, going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, one of the, <laughs> one of the byproducts of, uh, you know, because Dennis has had some, some slow starts in the first and third quarter, so he's getting pulled a little earlier. JJ's bring, being brought in. But one of the byproducts of that is Dennis is playing more minutes with the backups, getting to run the show a little more, and the Doncic-Smith minutes are being staggered a little bit. So I, I kind of thought that they'd spend like 90% of their minutes together this year, and at least in the last few weeks that has not been the case. They're, they're spending some time apart, which I think is good because it lets both of them sort of get their time running things. And ultimately, you know, if these guys are going to be playing together for 10 years or more or whatever, or even for three years um, – you know, you don't want them on the floor at the same time all the time. You always want to give the defense something to worry about. Yeah. But uh, who would have thought that J.J. would be better than both of them at creating good looks every time? The guy's a beast, man. It's unbelievable. Uh, TK, you've been awful quiet. What, what's on your mind? What does the K stand for in TK? T-Cat. T-Cat. Top Cat. Like Kato? But where's the – oh, like C-A. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you know how to I spell was, my last name? I was thinking about like the letter K. I was like, what does K stand for? Well, your name doesn't start with a K. Right. It starts with a C. Right. So it'll be TC. <laughs> T-Cat. 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 Yeah. Oh, T-Cat. Yeah. T-Cat. I thought you were saying T-K. Oh, no. Sorry. I'm a little heavy no. on my T's sometimes. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the pointy tongue to the tip of the tongue. Nah, TK is, is what you put in journalism when you uh, – means to come, but you spell it wrong. What? Yeah, so so if you have like just a blank headline or something, you put TK, 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 TK. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because okay. you always misspell journalism words. It's the same way a lead to your story is L-E-D. L-E-D. Um, a graph is G-R-A-F. Yep. And I think you, I think it started, they would misspell it so that people would like it would stand out. Yeah. What we yeah. did at the, at the UTD Mercury is we just have a bunch of exclamation points. So that way, like, it's impossible to not notice it. Because sometimes, like, if it's just a bunch of random letters, you'll just, you wouldn't even think about it. But you notice exclamation points. So that's some uh, that's some insider that's some insider info. I would on, I would I was always just like make fake headlines. Like I wrote a story about a goalkeeper, and I was like, goalkeeper keeps goal, takes it home, <laughs> loves it, nurtures it. <laughs> I was like like uh, you should actually just run that one. I mean, lo- local rapper trying to put the city on the map beca- put becomes a cartographer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there there's that's some actually pretty pretty solid the, ones. That, that's that, how the best columnist was uh, was raised, right there. <laughs> Man, that's back in uh, that's back in my NT Daily design days. Did yeah, a little design. Shout out NT Daily. Uh, shout out NT Daily. 
I think uh, to answer your question ten minutes ago, Bobby, <laughs> I think I think Philadelphia just signed their uh, their death warrant. Whoa, <laughs> that's a that's bold. I didn't I, like it. I, I feel I, that. I understand. I, I didn't think the trade. Value wise, the trade was fine. I didn't like the trade. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just I don't know. I, I don't think they got fleeced. I think that they paid a fair price for a star. I understand why they went out and got a star. I just don't think that makes sense for that. I'm just I, I just don't see the cohesion working there. I, I don't like playing Jimmy that much money. I, I don't think he fits with their two stars. I don't think they're maximizing Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons is probably the player they need to work most to maximize because when you do maximize him, you know he is a he probably has like a top 15, top 10 player ceiling. Um, but if you don't, then he might not be a top 50 player. Um, or he's definitely a lot worse, and I, I think that's shown. And uh, he's yeah. essentially a post player if he's not being the guy to do everything because right. he's not shooting outside of five feet. Really, I mean, he's I like he's almost a back to the basket player uh, if if he's not bringing the ball up the floor and doing. Yeah, all the I think I think it's dumb. Like people need to stop asking if he's going to shoot. Like he's a really good player if you use him t- for the goals that he has. And it's dumb that Philly isn't, you know, doing every. They have the obviously Embiid is not a shooter either, so. You know, I, I think that trading away two really good role players who who were shooters and and you know filling it with a with another guy who needs the ball a lot and and isn't a you know elite uh, catch and shoot guy is is just not the direction that I expected them to go. I will say props to Elton Brand though for pulling the trigger. Yeah, that's former mm-hmm. Mav Elton Brand. That's yeah. a that's a big move, man, and that's like his first one of his first actions yeah. as GM, right? But you know what? They they might be better if they had just flipped Simmons for Ben for Butler. Wow. And kept mm. the role players. That, yeah. Their team makes more sense that way. That That's is interesting. A scorching, scorching it's, it's, opinion. Ben Simpson's great. It's just going to be it's gonna be tough for him to overcome not being a pull-up shooter. Mm-hmm. Just at the end of the day, like high-level situations in the playoffs, if you cannot sh- – and not like he's a bad shooter, he can't shoot. So it's mm-hmm. like you can only do so many things on the court unless you're the center um, and you're playing on the ball. So I think mm-hmm. at some point they're going to have to make a tough decision on him. It's so weird because, I mean, if Butler has the ball – what does Simmons do? Where yeah. does he go? Like, I wouldn't trade I think the, for the best thing to do is probably use him as a screener, right? And you have him be kind of on the baseline, and yeah. you use you use Simmons as a screener, and you have him roll? I yeah. mean, is that use him kind of like Golden State uses Draymond, where he's kind of the – he's the first guy he passes to, and he makes the assist? But at I least mean, Draymond can shoot. Like, he can at least shoot a like, – He does shoot. He at least he does <laughs> shoot. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's made three-pointers. Like, yeah. Would, yeah. would you trade Luka for, for Ben Simmons? No. I mean, mm, no, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't either. I don't think that Ben Simmons will be better than Luka. But yeah. I'm also a little biased here. I'll admit that. I think their defense will be good enough to flirt with an Eastern Finals. They could be, yeah, they're going to be yeah. really good defensively. Badass on defense, yeah. But, I mean, once you keep rolling it forward and you get into a Finals and a Western team is just going to destroy you um, no matter who it is. And – it's just it's a really confusing fit, and whenever you talk about paying Jimmy Butler a supermax for five years this off season with that group of talent that you had, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, I, I liked what they were doing. I felt like their window was probably open for seven years if they wanted it to be with you know Covington affordable. Sarich was going to be up soon, but you got him being done. You got have a ton of money, a boatload of money this off season. And now I feel like the window is just, if you don't do it this year or next year, you're trying to get off of one of those dudes pretty quick. And uh, it was interesting, and I understand why they did it. If you have a chance to up your talent at least 
top tier talent, especially in the Eastern Conference, especially with uh, you know a team that needs so badly for the process for their formula to work, and work means uh, conference finals for them. I get it. I just where was this trade whenever Kawhi was available? Where was a deal of that of that ilk whenever Kawhi was available? The Although totally Toronto's offer was better, it was better. But I'm yeah. saying up your offer, <laughs> make a better offer. They didn't have a GM. Is what yeah. happened. Yeah, they didn't yeah. have a GM for a whole summer, and they missed out on Kawhi Leonard. I think they swung at the wrong dude. Yeah. Like, and it's they were they were a little too online uh, yeah. in the months <laughs> leading up to the, the Kawhi trade. Yeah, Twitter got him. Yeah, it's gotten a lot of us. A little, let's, let's not a lot of great let's men. Not lie. Yeah, well, some a, a lot of average people, mm, too, mostly average, but people. Uh, yeah, mostly average to below average. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. So like right now, I guess. Coming into the season, you say, okay, Boston for sure is the best team, and then probably Philly, and then maybe Toronto. Right now, it's like, okay, Toronto's definitely the best team. Milwaukee. Milwaukee is like right there, if not pushing for the best, because they don't really look like they have a whole lot of weaknesses right now. Mm-hmm. And then Boston and Philly are kind of like, yeah, they're also out there. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on. So if you're handicapping this whole thing. Boston just needs a 15-year vet to come in and help them get through the season, like Kyrie said. Is that what Kyrie said? He said, man, I wish we had like a 14, 15-year-old vet to come in and teach us how to like pace our way through the season. Wow. Kyrie did say that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what's the – that's super old center I mean, center Ken- that you Kendrick the Perkins Rockets? out there. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of that super old center Nene? for the Rockets. No, that was the oldest guy to ever score like 20 um, – not Nene, even older than that. Dikembe Mutombo. No. I'll, th- I'll look him up in a minute. Hold on. Let me look over Scott Pollard. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Willis? Pollard. Kevin Willis. Hey, he was on the Mavs. Kevin Willis. That's Kevin Willis. He was on the Mavs when they won 67 games. Kevin Willis, yeah. He, he wants Kevin Willis to come in. You know who's also played 14 or 15 years in the NBA? Uh, Carmelo Anthony. I have. James. LeBron. LeBron. Mello? And also Melo, too. So we'll, we'll see if Melo goes <laughs> to Boston. God almighty. Uh, yeah, so if you're handicapping that, I guess, I mean, Toronto and Milwaukee obviously are the are the layup choices, right? I mean, do, mm. or, or do you think that they figure these things out? Like Boston's another team. I guess we should just have like an all NBA podcast at some point where <laughs> yeah. we talk about these other teams because Boston. I, we could talk. Machine and I have talked for, about Boston for like hours over the last. Don't few leave days. out my Pacers. Oh uh, yeah, the Pacers are pretty good too. I love the but, Pacers. But uh, I mean, is it is it Milwaukee and Toronto right now, or is there is there going to be a, a a mystery team that surprises us? I think Boston will be fine by the end of the year. Yeah, they figure it out. I think Boston will figure it out. Yeah, they'll be fine in a month. Uh, and then Toronto's Hopefully big not in a week because they come here next week. Yeah, Toronto's big test will be whenever Kyle Lowry misses his month of the season that he does every year and just see if everything crumbles after that or if, you know, they start stretching minutes for these bench guys and everyone just keeps holding up because Kyle Lowry, he just misses a month of the season every year because yep. he plays too many dang minutes and he plays too hard. The interesting thing to me about the, the thread that connects what's happening in Toronto, Boston, and Philly right now is that all three of those teams – were kind of built in the homegrown way where they drafted really well or acquired picks and drafted really well. Mm-hmm. And then it came time to make a decision and they went sort of a mm-hmm. shortcut route. You know, mm-hmm. Boston was like, yeah, okay, Al Horford, yes. Gordon Hayward, yes. Kyrie Irving, yes. And uh, Toronto was like, yeah, let's go get Kawhi right now. And uh, Toronto's bench, you know, you got uh, Pascal out there. You got Fred Van Vliet. Uh, you got, you know, you had Norman Powell and he's, he's maybe not at the level that he was one, once was, but O.G. Ananobi. Uh, and then uh, Philly, too, Simmons and Embiid. Toronto and feels then, like the best fit, though, doesn't it? And maybe it's because they're winning the most right now, but just adding Kawhi, like having a natural build, yep. and then trading your DeRozan and Pirtle for Kawhi feels like the simple, cleanest, more seamless, seamless, yeah, just yeah. seamless fit. Yeah, but I mean, that, so that's going to be kind of like, 
I don't know, a cautionary tale because those teams are damn good and they're probably going to be, you know, winning playoff series for the next few years here and maybe even championships. But in a couple years in Dallas, whenever Luke is 22 and Dennis is 23 and it comes decision time, like, well, do we have the patience to wait for five more years or should we go and get 31-year-old free agent X right now? Mm -hmm. Like, that's going to be... Do you cash in? Yeah, it's, it's so tough to maintain the patience when also... You realize, like, we're one guy away from winning 55 for the next five years. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just, I don't know, it's really interesting that it's kind of happening right in front of us in the East. And the West is kind of in the East stage now where it's a lot of homegrown teams just biding their time until Golden State ages out. The future of the league, I feel like, is kind of sitting there staring at Philadelphia. Going, okay, you've got five number one overall picks and you hit on two of them. And that's going to be a lesson learned of, okay... You can have all the first 1.1s you got that you can possibly get. Some years it just doesn't work. And then the Jimmy Butler thing is going to be another lesson of everyone's going to look at this collection of talent and go, would they be better right now if they had Bob Cove and Saric and fill in your blank max level free agent? Like if they just waited, could they get Jimmy Butler this offseason? And then you keep those guys? Yeah. But then the the flip side is, is it worth – going through a season winning 45 games because everyone's frustrated and then I think they're better you know, than that I think they're a yep. little bit better than that but I don't know I mean I feel like they got greedy it's tough man. running a team is tough I think that's that's the yeah, conclusion it's very we can all difficult agree on. it's hard it's very difficult you know, it's really the, the Mavs the same thing this summer I mean it, to a lesser mm-hmm. degree because they weren't you know sacrificing their own players but you get a, a lump of cap space here you got Dennis you got Luca and you're like well all right let's go get DeAndre right now maybe that can push us over the playoff hump mm-hmm. and it remains to be seen i mean the Mavs are on the cusp of the playoffs after 14 games they've lost a couple disappointing games but they seem to be turning it around now but there's a difference i think in giving a guy a one year deal and then trading mm-hmm. it would be the equivalent of trading Dorian and Maxi for a player yeah you know i think that's kind of the the fundamental difference so i don't know it, I, I i'm interested to see how it works out I love that teams are going for it, and I love that the teams are going for it are in the East and not the West for Makes once, for God's sake. Makes it super interesting, man. And I'll uh, preface all that by saying I'm a 76ers hater and think if you give an average front office that many 1.1 picks, they probably won a title by now. I would say uh, – They whiffed on a lot of picks. Dude. I would say that was, not a, that was not a preface. That was more of an epilogue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it's a lot of – so everybody always says every summer teams are drafting better, teams are drafting better. Are they? And then you look at the last three drafts and you're like, oh, yeah, they're definitely drafting. Like Dorian mm-hmm. Finney-Smith is probably the like 11th best player from the 2016 draft and he went undrafted. So mm-hmm. are they really drafting better? Yeah. We know more, and so you feel like you're drafting better when you mm-hmm. know more, but to know more is to know less in the NBA. Yeah. It's all, it's all about here. I'm pointing at my head right now. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Uh, it's development too. So. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. God bless Mike Procopio. You know For what I mean. Real dude is a legend. Uh, okay. You good? I I think you know what. I think we rescued this thing. Uh, we we pulled it out from the the ceiling and we made it all the way up to the roof and now we're we're sitting on the roof. You know, whiskey in our hand or beer or water in our hand, surveying the the landscape. You know, the sun is setting. Uh, just out of our eyesight to where, like, we're not being blinded, sort of, by the rays. It's just soft light. Yeah, music is playing uh, give me faintly. A, give me a podcast award. This was one of the best. I still think this should have been a foreign affairs. 
an hour just on foreign affairs. That's well, <laughs> we're policy. doing that one right after. I'm this still, one, so I'm, just still sit tight. I'm still for home design. Mm. <laughs> a foreign affairs home design basketball podcast. I think there's a market for that. With some Middle East thrown in. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's part of foreign affairs. Well, you're building these mansions in Dubai, uh, and you're decorating the inside, and also adding a basketball court wing to the home. We never got to talk snacks either, so <laughs> or Dr Pepper. Yeah. Cheers. I drink Dr. Pepper almost every time I record a podcast. I just want to say that. So uh, so you're on PEDs. Yeah. yeah. Why, how do you think I have so much energy, man? <laughs> just uh, juiced up. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Austin. Uh, Mike, you're cool, too. Fine. Yeah. Uh, any any okay. last words, gentlemen, about you know interior design or basketball or anything else? What annoys you the most about each other? That you live together. Oh. I barely see him anymore. I, yeah, I barely see this is guy. That That's that honestly is? the best thing about living. It's <laughs> <laughs> nice. Our our friendship devolving into hey bye okay see yeah yeah that's it. That's it this this is the most I've talked to him. Maybe three weeks. Uh, we went out last week. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. Other than yeah. that, this is this is the most I've talked. Yeah, to the him four of us went out and slammed some some brews. Oh, we did. Oh, we did do that. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. After the that Mavs. was after a win, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't actually drink, so. Yeah, you were consuming water. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Root beers. <laughs> yes, root beers at, at the local pub. Do you need to do pub. some, like, housekeeping, like, to-do list stuff while y'all are here? I know you never see each other around the house. Like, probably should. Just yeah, do a checklist. Should probably just handle it. Do the dishes. Sort out the bills this month. <laughs> is anyone's laundry? I'm sure, I'm sure Bree's on top of I'm shit. sure our third roommate is really on top of it. <laughs> uh, is your guys' laundry just sitting in the dryer for, like, four days now and you haven't taken it out yet it sits for like five to eight business days mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah we don't we don't have amazon prime so yeah. we don't yeah. we don't get it in two <laughs> when i had a lot yeah you just buy new clothes instead of washing your old ones yeah. uh that athletic money really is paying off for both of you i see athletic.com slash four pointer yeah that too uh in college i was really bad at clearing the dryer uh but i was also really bad at clearing the washer so sometimes <laughs> if, if I didn't transfer from the washer to the dryer quick enough, my roommate would just take the wet clothes out. Throw them on the floor. Put them on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, okay, all that accomplished has made the yeah. dryer room smell like mildew. That's the same know? Cold War me and my wife run every week. <laughs> if it's in there, I like start a clock. And if it's like 30 hours, I'm like, boop, little tiny people clothes all over the floor now. You can come clean those up. Sounds like you're living really uh, What? You have a... <laughs> you have a happy life. Yeah, That's what we, we do say. great. That's all uh, being I'm in a relationship for eight years is. You just have these little shell games. You play back and forth <laughs> passive-aggressively. <laughs> They're all based around these different items, like the the fridge, the dishwasher, the the washing machine. The thermostat? No, no, I don't care. I. I oh, mean, wow, that's low-maintenance fees. I'm a, I'm a giant person with a lot of fat on me, so I don't care. <laughs> it's Set it to whatever. <laughs> I'll make it work. I'll either wear less clothes or more clothes, and I'll, I'll adjust. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's that's all marriages, guys, so get ready for that. Uh, looking, looking forward looking to it. Forward, yeah. Looking forward Excited. to that. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mike, Bliss. for that. Again, uh, thank you, Austin Garuya, Tim Cato. Where can they find you on uh, on the Internet? I'm I'm still online on Twitter, at Garuya. Mm-hmm. Display name Austin. I'm sure you'll find me. Just just search it. Stable yeah, photo. Well, well, we'll tag Stable you. Photo Stable, fo- Stable photo crew. Stable photo. Stable photo. Your photo's been the same for Oh, yes, stable. F- yes, it's been the yeah. same for a long time. So yeah. I don't like to confuse people. Yeah. I like to keep the brand yeah. very is it the still? Are you still wearing sunglasses? No. No, no that's a different one. That was that was, one. that was your... That was the stable one for like a couple, like yeah. two or three years. That was Every like, five years we get to change it. Yeah. That was like the Mike James season. What is your one now? <laughs> <laughs> it's this one where he's like... I'm just like his head. tilting head sideways. It's a very mm-hmm. old photo. What? Yeah. Yeah. 
Hang on. Get up so today. I'm, I'm pulling up my, fire my Twitter app. I'm searching now G-A-R-O-Y. Get on them internet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that's been that way for a while. Yeah. yeah. That was like right after the Rondo trade. I, I look like I'm side-eyeing you the entire time. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's part yeah, of his you're brand. Like, yeah. You're like, you're judging while I'm <laughs> typing. You're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. are, you, are you sure you want to say that to me right now? Yeah. Uh, and then Tim, uh, on Twitter, you're what? Uh, Tim underscore Cato and theathletic.com. Slash four-pointer. Or, or slash just slash Dallas. DFW, right? Mavericks. If you type in athletic.com slash Dallas, does it take you to? Yeah. If you type in athletic.com slash Mavericks, does it work? Yeah. How many domains are these guys buying? Dude, this it's is a the same domain. This athletic, is a, this is a athletic money. I'd love to see monopoly. this domain budget. It's the same yeah. domain. It's <laughs> crazy. Do you know how domains work? Out of control. It's just ridiculous. I know you do. Uh, redirect. He is Machine Sports. I'm yeah, Bobby yeah, Corella. Uh, Mavs at Warriors. On, Mavs vs. Warriors on mm. Saturday night. And then after that, it's fun. Party in the Plaza. Oh, yeah. Party on the Plaza. 5 p.m. The weather should hopefully not be bad. It's going to be lit. Uh, there will be light out there. Uh-huh. Uh, it's getting dark early, so. Blue carpet night? Yeah. For the fans or for the players? Everyone. Everyone. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Uh, So we'll see you out there at the AAC. That's uh, AAC. And uh, there's some other games after that, too. So thank you for listening. We will be back with you next Friday. Fake news, shouty.